0: You are listening to an exclusive podcast from Pituitary World News. Good afternoon. This is Dr. Lewis Blevins, podcasting from San Francisco, California. I've been asked by a number of people um, through social media, my patients, uh, family members, etc., uh, what constitutes a... Uh, an increased risk for coronavirus uh, as a result of having pituitary disease. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit. I've getting a lot of thought to it. Um, and obviously, in keeping with uh, reviewing the media, uh, reports from Hopkins and the World Health Organization about coronavirus and increased risk, Uh, So, I want to share my thoughts with you about this particular topic. I think it's important to briefly review the immune system. It's a fascinating system, very complex, and the immunology that I learned in medical school is probably mostly outdated. I've tried to keep up with a lot of it over time. But generally speaking, the immune system is our body's way of dealing with foreign invaders, whether they be bacteria, viruses, fungi, uh, organs from others, for example. And it's a multi-pronged attack system that uh, sort of is involved in recognition of an invader, checking out that invader to see if it's a true invader, responding to that, and then based on the initial response, recruiting additional responses to make sure that we attack and kill what's uh, not part of ourselves. Unfortunately, some people have disease processes where they do this thing with their own body tissues, uh, and that's why we have things like Hashimoto's thyroiditis or autoimmune Addison's disease or Graves' disease or lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, and a whole host of other illnesses where there's a perturbation in the immune system or the lack of recognition of self or something about self-changes that leads to this autoimmune attack. Um, I like to think of the uh, immune system uh as the bone marrow the blood the spleen the thymus gland lymph nodes Um, these different tissues coordinate not only during our development but our early life and sort of programming in response to our exposures in early life and in adult life Uh, vaccines we might have uh, uh, as well Uh, in order to coordinate this attack uh, it involves Uh, precursor cells in the bone marrow, uh, T cells that have been uh, ended the thymus, uh, B cells that come from the bone marrow and probably spend some time in the spleen, Uh, cells that uh, uh, are in these groupings are very complex, there's lots of different forms of B cells that do different things, they ultimately can become plasma cells that produce antibodies, and of course antibodies can do lots of different things and attack different parts of organisms or tissues, Uh, and then the T cells, some of them have killer functions, some of them are guard cells, some of them are helper cells that help promote uh, other cells to do their job. It's all very, very complex, and I don't pretend to understand it as an immunologist would, uh, but I have the understanding that I think is uh, necessary for an endocrinologist in uh, uh, the uh, practice of medicine who we'll see patients who have immunocompromised states and um, uh, autoimmune disorders, for example. So someone who's said to be immunocompromised has a problem with one of these different systems, or maybe several of these different systems. Some people are born with immunocompromised states, other people acquire them. Some people, for example, acquire an uh, immunodeficiency, and there can be Immunodeficiencies of certain types of antibodies, for example, uh, that can lead to certain types of infections. Other people have had their spleen removed. Um, Some people have had their thymus gland removed um, or have bone marrow problems. Some people take medications that lead to suppression uh, of the immune system so that they don't have the autoimmune disorders or maybe they've had a transplanted organ that suppresses the immune system. Uh, And some of these designer drugs uh, to treat autoimmune disorders are very specific. You know, we have, you you watch TV and you'll see that there are all sorts of different monoclonal antibodies now that take out certain types of B cells to treat disorders ranging from uh, um, uh, gastrointestinal diseases to osteoporosis to. Uh, sarcoidosis and uh, other sorts of inflammatory conditions, including psoriatic arthritis. There's just a whole host of dr- therapies now that actually compromise parts of the immune system to treat underlying diseases. So in general, when I think of an immunocompromised patient, you, you think about those people with a problem in the, in the immune system uh, or those people who've had transplants and are taking drugs to suppress a rejection, or patients who are taking drugs to treat an underlying uh, inflammatory or autoimmune condition. In regards to pituitary disorders, I think the classic immunocompromised state is Cushing syndrome, where patients produce too much glucocorticoid hormone and it uh, suppresses certain parts of the immune system. We've known for decades that people who have Cushing syndrome are at a higher risk for infections and these largely turn to be bacterial infections and fungal infections. I've not seen any data or research that suggests that people with Cushing syndrome are at a higher risk of developing certain viral infections, but I would presume that they might be. So I I think of these as our classic immunocompromised pituitary patients. Other than that, there's really not a single pituitary disorder that I'm aware of. unless you have a disorder that requires a monoclonal antibody like lymphocytic hypophysitis or neurosarcoidosis uh, that leads to an immunocompromised state. I have seen some data that suggests that patients with adrenal insufficiency who are taking glucocorticoid hormones have some problem with the killer cells that are involved in the attack of viruses. When I looked at the one particular paper in question, the thing that I first noted is that most patients were taking doses of hydrocortisone that are greater than I would prescribe for my patients. A majority of people were on 30 milligrams of hydrocortisone or other steroids that that were uh, physiologically higher doses. And that might make sense because those people would in effect have iatrogenic Cushing syndrome. So I think that Patients who are on too much glucocorticoid hormone may be at a higher risk of uh, viral infections or bacterial infections. And uh, we've published before sort of my feeling based on years of practice and some research about what equates a replacement dose of steroid. And in general, I would say that you have the potential for immunosuppression if you're taking more than about 15 or 20 milligrams of hydrocortisone more than about 0.375 to 0.5 milligrams of dexamethasone, or more than three to four milligrams of prednisone daily. And I think that's the risk of having adrenal insufficiency uh, with this coronavirus pandemic and whether uh, you're... You're looking at the risk for influenza, bacterial infections, etc. I think that the same applies. That if you're taking more than those doses of medication, you probably do have a slight immunocompromised state. If you're taking significantly higher than those doses, I think your your uh, immunocompromised risk is much higher. But let's talk about the real uh, concern that I have for patients who have adrenal insufficiency in the time of an infectious crisis, whether it be influenza, coronavirus, streptococcus pneumoniae, mycoplasma pneumoniae, urinary tract infection, you name it. I think that uh, what I'm going to say applies to um, all foreign invaders, not just coronavirus. And that is the normal function of the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis and and the stress response. So let's say you have a virus or a bacterial infection. Your immune system recognizes, uh, unless you're on too much steroid, that uh, there's a foreign invader, and it will go after that, and in the process of going after that, the immune system activation of several different cells and cellular processes leads to the production of a lot of immune system byproducts that are used to attract other immune cells and generate responses etc and those things we call leukotrienes and interleukins there's tumor necrosis factors and all sorts of things that uh, get uh, produced and it's it's these if you will byproducts of the immune system that make you feel crummy when you're sick uh, they make you feel the fatigue they contribute to the fever they contribute to the myalgias etc uh so that when you're sick what's making you feel sick is not necessarily always the bacterium or the virus, it's the immune system's response to it and all the stuff that's produced, the chemicals that are produced that lead to those symptoms and signs that you have. Uh, we know for, for sure that uh, sometimes it's the bacteria as well or the viral particles because some of these things, especially lipopolysaccharide from bacteria, affect the way the hypothalamus works to induce fever. So it's a dead product of a bacterial cell, for example, that causes fever in people who have bacterial infections. And it's the immune system's response to the infection that causes you to feel sick. Unless you have pneumonia that leads to cough, for example, uh, and sputum production, because your body is creating white cells that attack the bacteria, and that leads to pus, which you cough up. So this response in your normal human beings is regulated by steroids. If you don't have enough steroids, you're gonna have a robust response. And this is the problem where people with adrenal insufficiency get into trouble. This robust immune system response and all these chemicals that are produced can not only make you feel crummy, but they can cause hypotension or low blood pressure and you can go into shock and have multi-organ system failure. In a normal person, the hypothalamic-pituitary-adrenal axis produces additional cortisol. And cortisol is detrimental to or even kills some of these immune cells. It's what we call cytotoxic to them. And by doing so, you have this negative feedback of the pituitary-adrenal function and the infection and the regulation of the immune uh, system byproducts that sort of allows the immune system to be tempered if you will or controlled so that it doesn't overreact because again if it overreacts you get sick and you drop your blood pressure so the steroids help not in fighting an infection but in controlling the body's response to the infection so that you don't get too sick so this is why we ask people to increase their steroids when they're sick Uh, so that you can help temper your immune system and prevent your body from becoming even uh, more sick as a consequence of an overabundant response to a bacterial or a viral infection. So my concern with people who have adrenocortical insufficiency is that oftentimes people sit at home and they don't change their steroids or they don't increase them quickly enough. And they get sick and have to go to the hospital with adrenal crisis, and they're admitted. And you know, usually people feel better after a couple doses of what we call superphysiologic or stress dose steroids. The problem is that you can take too much steroids, and you pretty much take out the immune system response. And then you're immunocompromised, and the bacteria or the virus or whatever flourish. And this is certainly of risk in any infection, but also with coronavirus, where uh, some of the early studies coming out of China suggested that if they gave patients too much steroids, they had a poor outcome. Uh, And I think that uh, that and sort of the recognition of how the immune system works and how steroids temper that sort of points to the fact that the truth is in the middle. You need to increase your steroids so that you don't have an overabundant or overzealous immune system response but you don't want them increased too high such that you actually take your immune system out and the microorganism that's causing your problems wins the battle so to speak so with that said it's important to recognize that uh, our recommendations usually for people who have adrenal insufficiency and encounter any type of infection, uh, usually, especially if there's a temperature over 100.5, usually you would uh, double to triple your dose of the medication for anywhere from two to five days. If you have to go beyond five days, you certainly need to be talking to your doctor, if not sooner. Uh, And I recommend sooner rather than later just to get advice and guidance. Um, but uh, some people have said if more than five days you should be calling a health care provider, but I, I disagree with that, especially in a time of this uh, issue of the viral infections that we're all concerned about um, and that uh, the sicker you are, the higher your steroid dose needs to be, but if you have to go more than three times to feel better, you probably need to be hospitalized, and uh, physicians need to make decisions about whether to go higher than three times uh, the steroid dose. Uh, what's maximum stress dose? Well, we, we estimate around 5 to 10 times uh, a normal replacement dose. And that comes from a couple studies that were done probably 30 years ago now looking at how much steroid uh, the adrenal glands make during major surgical procedures. And it was estimated there's probably a 10-fold increase in the output by the adrenal glands. So, that's where these recommendations about uh what does severe stress require so for example we would give you know 150 to 300 milligrams of hydrocortisone over the course of a day in divided doses and someone who had adrenal insufficiency was having a major surgical procedure and by the way i've never had a problem given 50 uh, milligrams every eight hours iv for patients in in, uh, dire straits due to an illness, uh, when they needed stress dose steroids. And that would be in keeping with the, the sense that, uh, 25 to 30 milligrams is probably too much and maybe 15 to 20 is daily replacement. So I, I know this is complex information and I know that everyone's concerned about whether or not they're at increased risk, uh, and how to manage that risk. Uh, with regards to coronavirus, but uh, you know we also need to be thinking about this for every flu season as well, not panicked, but being smart and doing those things that we're all asked to do, which is to limit our social contacts. Here in San Francisco, we're at a, a stay-at-home order unless it's absolutely necessary. Wash your hands as regularly as you can. Uh, use gels or plain soap and water, uh, whatever you have available, or both. Try not to touch things unless you have to. Try to limit the amount of times that you touch your face. Stay away from sick people. Keep your social distance of about six feet. More importantly, if you have other risk factors uh, for increased mortality as a consequence of this virus, work on those. Control your diabetes. Control your heart disease uh, and your hypertension. And uh, try to do everything that you can to stay healthy. There have been uh, some recent data suggesting that uh, if you take non-steroidal anti-inflammatory agents like ibuprofen, uh, naproxen for example, that you might uh, seriously need to think about not taking those medications. Uh, there's also some information about patients taking ACE inhibitors. Uh, I saw today that a, a one a body of physicians recommended not discontinuing your ACE inhibitors because It may be that they're important for your health and they may simply be a marker of people who have underlying disease and that's the risk for poor outcomes with coronavirus. At any rate, uh, work with your physicians, determine whether you're uh, at a real legitimate increased risk, try to mitigate those risks, and most importantly, practice your uh, social isolation and hand-washing, and uh, let's get through this and anything else that comes our way. Uh, As usual, feel free to submit your questions and concerns. I will be happy to try to answer as many of those as is possible. I will tell you that I have received a lot of questions through Facebook, uh, and for some reason I'm unable to respond to them. Uh, The Facebook platform simply doesn't allow me to write a response. I don't know why. I've tried to work through it. I can't figure it out. So if you've written us and you haven't heard from us, that's the problem. And it might be better to write uh, through Pituitary World News rather than Facebook. All right. Once again, Dr. Louis Blevins, uh, podcasting from San Francisco, California. Uh, have a great uh, day and uh, do your best to stay as well as you can. You have been listening to an exclusive podcast from Pituitary World News. If you have any questions or comments, please send us a note through our website, pituitaryworldnews.org. Thank you for listening.